Hello and welcome to the final World Cup episode, potentially the final World Cup episode uh, for PG Boo Football Live. Today I have my good mate Dylan Johnston on on the episode with me. Dylan, how are you doing, my man? How's it very good, thanks, and you? Yeah, I'm great, bro. Just uh, a lot of crazy games, a lot of upsets, a lot of, um, you know, tearful moments for many supporters around the world. I think we can say that this World Cup has been a very unpredictable one, especially um, seeing the likes of Morocco, Croatia, you know, Japan, South Korea, going as far as they did, you know, even Australia, and some big upsets, you know, Spain, Portugal, Brazil, going out pretty early in the knockout stages, Netherlands as well. It's been a crazy one. What is your, what have your overall thoughts been on the whole World Cup so far as we enter the day, the penultimate day of the finals and then the final tomorrow? Um, I feel like before the World Cup, I wasn't really interested. I was like, oh, I don't know if like it's interrupting the Prem season and stuff. And even though Liverpool were doing badly, like I was like, I was more keen to watch that. But as the World Cup's gone on, I've gotten more and more interested. I think like as um, the events have happened, like Morocco going as far as they did, like you said, like the upsets, I've, I found them like, I just found as the tournament's gone on, I've gotten more and more interested, I think, in the in the World Cup, and uh, um, yeah, and I think it's nice that we're going to see Messi in a final again, which I'm really excited about. Well said. I think, you know, we all, as football fans, you know, growing up in the Messi and Ronaldo era, you know, we've been we've been lucky to to see that rivalry. Not really a rivalry, but just uh, an ongoing debate of who. Is the greatest of all time, and it, we're just lucky to to have now Messi in a position where he can be crowned the goat. So yeah, I'd be so happy, Omar. Oh, it'll be so happy. Yeah, it would. It would really, you know, <laughs> kind of fulfill all my football dreams. Honestly, I think um, as a youngster, you. you I think I, I took more of a liking to Cristiano Ronaldo, um, naturally, just because of the personality he is, um, with his celebrations, his post-match interviews, his, you know, persona on the training ground, you know, he's a jokester. Messi's more, you know, serious to the, to the point. He's a, he's a god, you know, he's, he's a lot more like, what's it like understated? Ronaldo's a lot more like in the, He's like, I get, he's a lot more of a celebrity, I guess. Yeah, 100%. That's the word that kind of sums up Ronaldo. Messi's more like a undercover spy that takes, <laughs> take, has taken the world by storm. <laughs> but yeah, it's, to, when, when, with growing up in that era, I think we can all say, like, people of our age and older, we all want Messi to win. You know, a lot of people, you know, would want France to win, but I think the majority, because of Mbappe, I think, you know, seeing him at such a young age to win two World Cups would be astonishing as well. But I think all of us, you know, 20, 21, 22, 23 and older, 
definitely want Messi to be crowned um, World Cup champion. I guess it's just like a yeah. great football story. Like, it's just a great story. Like, after he lost a, the final already, like, had so much, like, so much criticism for, like, not winning an international trophy, for him to win the Copa America and then the World Cup in a short space of time at the age he is now at the end of his career is just like, it's just like a great footballing story. Like your movies, like movies will be made about the story if he, if he wins it, which is really cool. Yeah. I think. A, lo- a lot, a lot of Netflix documentaries will be made, will be made about yeah. this. Definitely. Yeah. But as you said, you know, it not just, it doesn't just settle the goat debate. It, it actually rewrites history for, for Messi. You know, I think, there was something about, um, I saw on Instagram, you know, whoever wins the World Cup this year, France, Argentina, Croatia, Morocco, it will set a new record, I think. So France will be depending, defending champions. Um, yeah, it's like the first time in 60 years or something like that. The first time in a while since, I think, Uruguay. I think Uruguay. Um, they were the actual uh, first World Cup winners, Uruguay. Yeah, I did. Um, Morocco I would obviously watching be the first those... African team. Yeah. And Croatia would be the fir- they would be their first time to win the World Cup. And Argentina, I'm not sure what their record was. Um, I think obviously it would be the first time since Maradona. In, yeah, in a while as well, like in a long time, yeah. I think. Yeah. But nonetheless, whoever we had in the final would, and whoever won it, whoever will win it, will break a record. So we're lucky to to have witnessed this um, insane, unpredictable World Cup. So, you know, just to hop on to, you know, um, more of like a dissection of, you know, everything uh, off or post our, our group stairs chat, we obviously haven't had an episode um, to do in a while, you know, since that group stage chat, we chatted about, you know, our predictions for the round of 16. I think we all agreed on that Netherlands first USA would be a, a Netherlands win. Argentina would also win against Australia. Um, I was, I was kind of um, backing Senegal to, to cause an upset against England, but we saw a bit of a mismatch there. France, Poland, we, you know, we agreed on France to be the winner. Japan, Croatia, you know, Japan, we thought would, would, would cause another upset to see what they did in the, in the group stage in that group of death was quite exceptional. Um, and it going down to the wire, Croatia winning on penalties. Brazil, pretty, pretty straightforward win against South Korea. Portugal absolutely thumped Switzerland. And Morocco, the big upset of that round of 16, beating Spain. And I actually... If you do listen to the podcast again um, on the group stage, we had um, the the episode before this one. I actually said Morocco would would win. I, I actually, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I think we some of us agreed on that. I'm not sure what what your thoughts are, Dylan. Did you? Yeah, did you have I think a upset? I remember. Game? I can't remember if I said that, but I'm pretty sure I remember you and Cratch mentioning it because, like. Spain looked so vulnerable and like very sketchy ending like ending of the group stages and we were saying Morocco they looked really solid like defensively and I think that was 
exactly what happened. Spain just they had so much of the ball, but they had no idea how to like. They had no any. They had no penetration whatsoever. They literally just passed the ball around. I remember watching, and they were like, in the last ten minutes of the game, they just refused to put a cross into the box. Like they were literally just like passing it around the box. I remember being like, damn, like they don't know, they don't know what to do here. They're struggling to like get any form of penetration. Yeah, I think you kind of stole the words out of my mouth. You know, penetration is quite a key word when Morocco comes into a conversation because not a lot of teams have been able to penetrate Morocco this World Cup, and they've been, I think, in my opinion, I don't know about you, but by far the best. Defense of the World Cup. Oh, for They're sure, conceded. dude. I, yo, I love their um, just like their hunger, bro, and their desire. And even France, like France, struggled a lot against um, Morocco recently. Like even France, who's in the final now, like that that game could have gone either way. I think, but, but, but sorry for getting too far ahead. But no worries. All all the teams that have played Morocco, like you said, like everyone. They haven't looked good at all. I don't like they Morocco very much like they haven't just I don't know sat back. Even though they've been very defensive, they've been very like potent attacking, like attacking wise. I think as well, they've always been a threat in all their games. I think. So what what I've seen mainly with Morocco is is quite a simple, you know, tactical plan when approaching big teams. You know, they've had to. They've had a flippin' tough knockout stage, you know, Spain, Portugal, France. They've had to approach it very tactically. Their their coach is going to get some sort of huge contract from... Dude, he must. From his his current club. From his current club, I don't know who that is. Or, you know, someone's going to approach him. Uh, Because tactically, he's so switched on. Um, I've seen in all their matches, you know, they're obviously sit back and you know quite a low block on their defense and as soon as they they get into their defensive transition transition from defense to attack um they go on a counter straight away and they have those players um their midfield has been crazy like in terms of nicking like nicking the ball stealing it um so players like obviously amrabat comes into the conversation, Unahi and, and the other sentiment, I'm not sure what his name, but Unahi is like a thin, kind of like um, lanky player. Mm. He's also so mobile and you can see he's, a, he's quite a quite a beast of a number eight um, and you need a player like that to, to be physical but also to know how to put in a tackle or a challenge and then they'll go straight on a a transition to attack and they would counter and mm. they would penetrate from there. And you could see how they did it against um, Spain. They did it against Portugal and they did it against France. They were so close. Obviously they only scored one goal in the knockout stages, but they were, they were very threatening as you said. Yeah. I feel also like <clears throat> their defense as well. I don't know. I felt like their, their right hand side with Hakimi, um, and I think it was Ziyech. And then, yeah. like, that right-hand side was so potent. Like, they would press so high, get the ball back. And their link-up play was actually so heat. Like, the little flicks and passes, they would do the runs in behind. 
like the small part, like the small runs in behind, like against France particularly, the Konate was having to bail out Hernandez all the time. I feel like yeah. he would, like Konate had to do so much work, and he was making last ditch tackles way more than I think he would have liked. On that, that point, just, yeah. I think, I think, I think. You could say the same for their left-hand side as well, because they had Mazraoui on the left back, mm. Sofia Buffal on the left wing. They were yeah, Buffal was unreal, dude. Buffal was mesmerizing this World Cup. I saw a meme saying, um, um, or just it said that, uh, like, what what type of Buffal were we seeing at Southampton compared to now? <laughs> Like it's just Buffal had that one goal, goal, and then he dipped straight away. He literally yeah. just dipped. Yeah, exactly. And I think in, there was one video of Buffal against Portugal when they were in their left-hand corner um, by their by their corner flag in their half, um, Morocco against Portugal, and the the left back or the centre back recovered the ball. I think they were playing a three because it was quite late in the game against Portugal. Just parked the bus, and. This left center back passed the ball to Buffal. He did this little trick and like like he slid past the defender, like with the ball coming in behind him, he touched with his like right foot onto his left foot, did like a heavy touch skill. It was so mesmerizing, it was it was crazy. I, Dude, yeah, Buffal was it just he crazy was, how um, you can do that. That was like the the French League Buffal, I think this World Cup we saw like just like way more confidence. I don't know, but yeah, like he's kind of dropped. He dropped off the map a bit, but like yeah. it was actually really refreshing seeing him play well at the World Cup. Like mm. it was actually quite nice. It was actually nice, yeah. And you need a winger who can can take on players and has you know good one v one you know potential or just you know his his take on because I, I most of the time you'd get on the ball, you just whip out a skill and cut inside or cut, cut out to the outside and you'll get past players, create chances. So you need a winger like that, you know, ZH. Mm. Just like even. drive at the defense, just put them under pressure and then see what happens. I don't, I, I don't even think, you know, Buffal is that player who will drive at a defense like, a, like Vinicius or whoever else. But I think he's more of a player who will beat the player through um, a skill move or you know he's so unpredictable which way he's gonna go. His his one v ones aren't through a, like a a massive like drive at the player. It's more like a calculated uh, precision type of move that he that he does. You know, I think that's that's also nice to have because it doesn't it doesn't take away your attacking capability. Um, it it doesn't you know. You're not. You're more susceptible to keeping the ball in possession. You're more susceptible to keep the ball in possession. Uh, you instead of rushing things, instead of like on your counter taking on a play, and then might you might lose the ball and have to defend again. Do you get what I'm saying? No, definitely, dude. I think also hmm. Morocco, like they protect. They didn't have a lot of possession in some of their games, but they when they had possession, they used it really well. They were very like effective in their like when they had possession. Like they they recycled really well. Like Amrabat recycled really well, but also they were like very positive. I think when they had the ball, even yeah. if they didn't have it for no, a lot of for a long period of time, they were like very positive. You could see clearly how they, you know, there were a lot of 
times that you would think the attack, you know, they might be a bit stretched on defense and then they get back onto attack. Dude, they worked and so they just, hard. Like, it was they crazy. Open up, they, they, they open up teams so well. I don't know. I don't know if it was the midfield or their width on the pitch, you know, the penetrating passes. I think it was just a combination of all those things, you know, like they would play like such... their link up play was just actually so mm. good. Like they were linking mm. up better than, I don't know. It was so interesting seeing like, obviously they had some star players in their, in their team, mm. but they obviously don't have the likes of like an Mbappe or Griezmann or like a Giroud or, you know, star players that are like world-class, yeah. you know, like obviously they have a Kimi, who's probably like their biggest like name right now. Star, but yeah. even the the players that are le- that were lesser known or like they were linking up better like their team chemistry was unbelievable. Mm. Like they were exactly. linking up so well. They were playing better even though they were getting criticism for being defensive like they were playing really they were just playing really good footy. Like they were just playing really good footy, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think you know, they've and and not many other teams, you know, even though they're not in the final, I would say they could be like one of the teams of the tournament. I Definitely. Think, you know, I think like as at, an actual you know, player, yeah. I think looking at, you know, the quarterfinals here, I can't, I can't say a lot about, you know, like France have been questionable at times. Argentina, even like from the from the get go, obviously they've progressed amazingly throughout. But they're still the, shaky. They still look vulnerable. Exactly. You know, we saw that quarterfinal against Netherlands. Even Australia conceding against Australia, they conceded the way they conceded. Um, you know, Brazil obviously bowing out at the quarterfinal stage for the fourth time in a row. That is crazy. Uh, I always knew. I, I always, I always knew. I don't know about you. I always knew before even the World Cup started. I knew they wouldn't make it past the quarters. They would. They yeah. absolutely. I don't. Chance. I'm not gonna lie, dude. I thought they would. I thought they would be at least. Uh, I thought they would at least make the semis. I thought like. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't give Croatia enough credits. Um, like I thought that Brazil were gonna not cruise past Croatia, but get like. When they went one not up, I was like, okay, this is done. Like, there's no way. I just don't see Croatia coming back. And then, but also, like, watching them play. Especially, especially against going Croatia, I was like, these those aren't, yeah, exactly. So late as well, like, so late. Yeah, so late, yeah. Like, I don't know, I just, it was one of those things I where thought... I thought that they, they, like, I just don't know what happened. They just, it was weird. They just didn't have anything. I don't know. Richarlison that quarterfinal game so man. well, was, and then he just like very interesting game. Didn't do anything against Croatia. Mm. Like I think, the attackers were like all just not really. I don't. I don't know. I feel like they just didn't do enough in that game. I think we can all say just looking back at that Brazil Croatia game. You know, we'll think uh, Croatia is quite a team to talk about as well. So we'll get onto that pretty soon. Brazil looked pretty convincing, you know, in the in the lead up to that to the quarterfinal. I think, you know, controlling the game as much as they did in the ninety minutes, and then them getting their goal in extra time, you thought it was done, and then out of nothing, 
out of a simple mm, defensive literally. transition into the attack, crash a counter, and they get a they get a goal. And you're like, the what? You're just so confused. And then they bottle the penalties. And we all know Croatia, you know, have experience in penalty penalty shootouts. And I think like that was the different I think the killer for Brazil is that like they are a very like talented team, but mentally they're just like on up to it. Like when Croatia scored that goal, it's like okay, Brazil have lost. It literally is like what it felt like because Brazil, the kind of team that it felt like they just wouldn't they wouldn't fight the same way like Croatia and Morocco have fought. You know what I mean? Like Croatia would would go one 0 down, and it's like okay, like you can't actually relax now. You can't. You're not going to win because they would just fight literally till the 120th minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, like a Brazil situation. Yeah, and Brazil, I think, just like even though they're extremely talented, they just don't have that that fight. You know. Yeah, I think that that fight is that X factor. Like I think they still have some. I don't know what it is like from the past. I think, you know, all Brazilians kind of like have that. What's it called that? Like, um, you know, they, they've barred out in the one, the world cup for the last four world cups. I think they, they had that feeling, you know, and you could feel it. You could feel like that the pressure. They also have a lot of pressure, the pressure. On them by their, by their fans, like, or by their country, yeah. like, they're expected to win every World Cup, regardless of how good they are. Like, exactly. For a lot of countries, I mean, making actually, the quarterfinals is good. But like for them, it's like a huge failure. And if they don't make the final, or if they don't win it, it's a failure. Which I can imagine also is a huge, a huge, like, I don't know, a huge thing to have going into a World Cup, you know? Yeah, I think I'm just, um, they have like, they have these demons that they can't shake off. As like Brazilians, they expect so much as well because, you know, they're notoriously a World Cup winning team, a, win, mm. a World Cup winning country, for that matter. And they are a footballing country. They, they live and breathe football. So the expectation every World Cup is to make the final and win it, and you know, that's a lot of pressure to handle. You know, especially with any Brazilian team, no matter how young or experienced or whatever. You know. Uh, they've just yeah they've they've had a curse that they cannot shake in this 21st century so yeah i think brazil's way forward you can't r- really put like you know put your finger on it it's so difficult they just have it's to kind of shake this, this i curse. see like similarities with brazil and neymar and messi and argentina and like they're expected that they're expected to do everything like if it's not going right it's like, it's their fault, you know what I mean? Like, the team all looks to those two players and is like, okay, do something, you know? And I feel like Neymar, even though he's performed pretty decently at this World Cup, it's like, the man can only do so much. Like, he's human, you know? He's, what's it, he's like tied with Pele now? Or is he Brazil's top scorer now ever? Or is he like tied with Pele now? No, 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 no. Messi, Messi, um, I think that was relating to Messi. Mil- um, well, I'm saying, like, in general, for goals for Brazil, I think Neymar's either tied so. with him or won a I goal ahead of him or something. I think he's Brazil's top goal scorer. Yeah. I think he, 
I don't think in terms of World Cup goals. Oh, no, not World Cup, not World Cup, but I'm just saying in general, like, he's, like, Brazil's yeah. all-time, like, top scorer ever, and it's, like, yeah. he's just, I don't know, it feels like he just has to do everything, like, everything has to go through him, and he is a superstar, so that is, like, kind of the way it should be, but you can't, like I was saying, also with relying on Messi too much in the whole tournament, like, those chances run out where, like, Neymar scored, and then it's like, but that still isn't enough. It's like, there is a time where the other teammates have to do something. Like, also, I think, was it, Vinicius was subbed pretty early, wasn't he? Against yeah, Croatia. He was subbed like, in I th- normal time. Yeah, I, was, I thought that was strange. Like, I thought that was a strange. Like, he must have, I don't know, was he, I don't know if he was injured or something, but like. I think <clears> they were just wanting to. A tactical change. Attacking. Uh, new attacking freshness, like, you know, more of a tactical change than anything, trying to get something in the 90 minutes. Because mm. also Richarlison was subbed for that Pedro guy. Uh, Rodrigo was on for Vinicius. Uh, even oh, Rafinha came off for Anthony. And I Dude, thought I thought Rafinha was pretty disappointing in this World Cup, not going to lie. Also, oh, you know, yeah. even Anthony. Like, Anna, yeah. Very underwhelming. Very underwhelming... Brazilian performances. I think obviously Vinicius is a star. I I, w- I would have expected Rodrigo to start more, mm. just because how good he is. And he dude, I would have liked his. to see Rodrigo start ahead of Rafinha. Yeah, me too. But I think naturally he plays off the left, so I think the coach mm. might have thought that he would be wasted on the right. But I don't think so. I think dude, he, I think he would have been just as good. I think he's naturally just um, you know, you know he's very versatile in his forward positions. Mm. You know, he could, I, I think he could even play as like a false nine or a 10 behind the striker just because he's that good. Definitely. You know, you know, technically, technically I think he's that good. But, you know, every coach has their their decisions and their input, you know, their own input and their own opinions. So, you know, um, that's one manager that got sacked, Tite. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, uh, inevitable, actually. But, yeah, I think... You know, out of what boils down, you know, you know, to all the the big teams buying out, like you know, we saw Portugal very underwhelming quarterfinal performance. I think not, not not necessarily underwhelming, but like they just could not penetrate Morocco, and we mm. touched on the exact their, same story their, as Spain, but just in a different way. Yeah. Like Portugal style play, yeah. I think I think Portugal, I'm. I'm not like sugarcoating their loss, but I think they put everything into that game. Yeah, they, like, I don't. Yeah, they couldn't. Could I don't think they could have done much more. Like they, they hit mm. the post. Yeah. Was it was it was it Bruno that hit the post with that one yeah. banging shot? Hit shots? the crossbar, I think. Hit the crossbar. Yeah, it's like I don't think they necessarily played like terribly, but yeah. Morocco were just like tactically superior. They were just. Yeah. That, that for me, I, I watched that game and I was like, because I, I, I don't know, I feel like that game against Spain, it was like, okay, Spain have the whole ball, like had the ball all the time. Like you don't really, I don't know, you couldn't really see what Morocco were doing like offensively. But then against Portugal, they defended like in, a, in the same way, but against a different threat and they dealt with it just as well. And then with like on attack, they looked way better. So the thing is like on that, you make a good point. Obviously, Spain had more of the ball. I think they occupy, you know, 
they're one of the top teams to occupy the most possession um, out of, you know, compared to most teams. But Portugal, you know, at least they were kind of doing something with that position. Mm. You know, although they might have not had long spells of possession all the time, you know, we saw Morocco with their counter-attack a lot, you know, sharing a bit of the ball during the game, you know, creating chances of their own. I think that last 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes, that's when Portugal really started to like, you know, get... Throw it all, just... Yeah, they had to throw the kitchen sink in there, you know, started to feel the pressure, they had to throw it all in, and that's where we saw, you know, some penetration, you know, not really penetration, but more like chances created. Mm. I know, you know, Bono was so instrumental in that game, their goalkeeper. Yeah, I think he's actually been so huge. And their, their defense just putting their body on the line, you know, like last-ditch tackles, last-ditch blocks. That's what you love to see, you know. Dude, it, it only so like... two open-play goals, which only came in the semi-final, yeah. which is crazy. It, like, actually Before it gave me goosebumps when I was watching. It was just fly in, bro. Like that mm. that tackle that Amrabat made against Mbappe, dude. I was literally like, yeah. it's probably a foul, but you that mm. like, dude, like that dogness, it just shows dogness the desire. is just like, bro, I love that. When you see That's your midfield like track team. back like sixty meters and just yeah. smash an O, you like, oh my gosh, bro, that's that's such a nice feeling. It's like a Roy Keane type challenge, bro. Literally, <laughs> bro. You just. Because also, like, I don't know, I was watching him bop around and I was like, bro, Amrabat looked slow and then he just got closer and closer and just hit him. It was, not that your. Yeah. So, you know, I, I also want to move on to, you know, also this, these quarterfinals were crazy. You know, we saw um, Croatia, obviously, down Brazil in the craziest fashion. Well, I think we'll get more towards Croatia. I think they had, they're, before their semi-final, they looked amazing. Um, I think just the sheer determination and willingness to to win a game at all costs. Croatia has that mentality, and the you know the, obviously they had a big golden generation with Modric, mm. you know Kovacic, Perisic, uh, Lovren, Brozovic. Yeah, Brozovic. Um, love how most. You know, we're just saying the itches, but then they have uh, Borna Sosa. Gavardiol was unbelievable. <laughs> like, I know he got rinsed by Messi in the semis. Yeah. But besides <laughs> that, like, he, I don't know. I don't really think he def- like he could do anything really defensively better, um, in my expert defending opinion, bro. Um, but, like, I think he was pretty good. Like, he was really good at this tournament. He'd, like, arguably the best defender, I think, in, at the World Cup. Yeah. He's gas. So, I don't know if you saw. He is so gas and, like... He's got so much speed, so much power. Like, he's so good on the ball. Like, dude, he's he looks like he's going to be unbelievable. Yeah, he does. I bar, yeah, bar that messy, you know, wonder, wonder take on. Like, honestly, we, we, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt, you know. You dude, I think any defender, by if the you best put, ever, like, so. any defender there, I don't think they could have defended that better. No, like exactly. Messi was just like... It was, couldn't really do anything. It was inevitable. That. Yeah. It was inevitable that was going to happen. Like, you turned him... Messi also, like, didn't really steady. get, like, too far away from, like, God of Cavalier was tight pretty much the whole time. And then he yeah. just literally gave him, a, a, like, a millimeter of space and then it was, it was over. Yeah, I just... At any... At any stage of the World Cup, you know, you, you had a semi-final, you, like, you know, near the end of the game, 
I think it was the 80 something minute that Alvarez scored the final goal. You obviously, you know, you've played every minute of the World Cup. You're obviously going to be so leggy, so tired. Mm. Um, I think, you know, any defenders going to struggle. And, and I feel like his job in the Croatian defense was like, Lovren definitely doesn't have any pace. So like every time there was a long ball, Gavardio had to like, he was the one that's clean up the mess. Like if you remember against Japan, he just stayed like on Asano the whole time. Every time there was a long ball, he was there. He was there just chasing the long ball because he's got the gas. But, like, that probably also fatigued him so much. But he was running so, like, he was obviously their main defender. But, yeah. Yeah, probably obviously to pick well. up the scraps um, that Lovren couldn't get to. Mm. But I think also just being that, that, that column, you know, a big column in front of goal mm. with Lovren as well. You know, those, those two players are, are massive pillars for the team. Mm. They, they can get in front of any player and just block any Dude, shot. I, I, they Gavardio made a goal-saving tackle against Lukaku, which was literally cracked. I remember that. I remember dude, that, that was that like, was he literally came from like behind him. And like, yo. dude, uh, yo, it was so good. I love that I stuff. don't know if you saw, I just want to, you know, you know, obviously you're speaking about Gavardio, but I think... Yeah, I don't want to deviate away, but Lovren, on on a level, he he has been exceptional. No, I, for I, sure, think, dude. I, I don't know if you saw his uh, his assist to Perisic in that quarter in that round of sixteen game against Japan, dude. That cross onto Perisic's head was insane. And I, dude, I, just, I remember Liverpool. He used to actually like ping long balls really well from the back. Like, there was one year where he assisted, I think it was Origi against Everton. I don't know if you remember that. Yes, where he literally, yes, yes. like, pinged it, like, That's 60 meters. Ball. Like, one bounce. And then Origi, Pickford came out or something. Yeah. Me, I, but it was like, dude, he is actually really... I feel bad for him, dude, because he was in a Liverpool side that just had no... Like, at the end um, of his Liverpool career, like, he was definitely a lot better... He just wasn't what we needed in that time where, like, all of our centre-backs were constantly exposed because we had literally, like, Alberto Moreno as well. Like, we had literally didn't have good defenders at all, you know, and our midfield was finished. And, like, I never thought he was, like, a terrible defender. I just feel like he was... I don't know, Liverpool have always had a scapegoat centre-back, bro. Like, always. Yeah. And, like, I think if you had he Lovren was that guy for today, a long time. I think if Liverpool had Lovren still today, I think he would still be in the starting lineup, because just because of how solid he is still, and I don't think his form would have. I think they just needed. Obviously, they needed a younger player mm. but, you know, with all their defense, but a you know to Liverpool's detriment that they let him go. But you know, you move on quickly, so you have to. Um, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to with Canate being his replacement. Oh, that's, yeah, come on. Kanate's had a decent World Cup. Uh, just, you know, on, on still on Lovren, like, I saw a statistic, you know, he's been instrumental. Like, he's played every minute of the 2018 World Cup, guided them to the final. Played every minute of this World Cup, you know, they're in a third and fourth playoff. He's, you know, and he's provided, you know, crucial moments, you know, crucial blocks, cru- crucial tackles, been really solid, you know, can play those cross-field balls, you know, that period, that, that assisted Perisic, I think he's quite a, 
underrated player for Croatia at, the, at this moment in time. You know, you always look at the Modric, the the Perisic, the uh, you know, you always and you fixate on those players because they're mm, more the superstars. You, know, you look at the the superstars, but then like the the players you don't get recognition. You know, the even the goalkeeper has been instrumental. And that's, you know, you just need, really as you said deal. earlier, as you said earlier about Morocco, you just need team cohesion. You need that chemistry. Mm. And those two teams have it. They have that fight. They have that dog mentality, that BMT. That's what you need in a World Cup. That's why, the, you know, the Portugal didn't, Portugal's didn't go far. Brazil's didn't go far. Spain didn't go far. You know, and, and it's just that that's the crazy thing about the World Cup, you know, just so unpredictable. And it's all on the day. Literally, it's like the perfect example of like anything can happen. Like that, if you want to like have a tournament where anything can happen in football, it's the it's like the knockout stage of the World Cup. Yeah. So you know, I think almost like Croatia, Morocco, Argentina, France—they make the headlines. We've almost forgotten about you know teams like Netherlands and England. It's, it's, it just feels so crazy. It doesn't feel like they were ever, ever had a chance just because now that Morocco and Croatia are stealing the headlines, you know, mm. what, what's your thoughts on those, on those teams? So I feel like for England, um, England were really, I feel like they played really well, to, like they played really well this World Cup. I don't think by any means, it was obviously probably disappointing for them that they got knocked out at the stage, they got knocked out. But like realistically, that that France game could have gone either way, but also, like France, I think are just are, like France are good, even though they've definitely not as good as they were in twenty eighteen now. But they've had a lot of injuries. But I think France are just like they're still a very good team. Um, but yeah, England, I don't think they did badly. They just came up against a team who's in the final now, like arguably one of the best teams in the tournament, and unfortunately, like. They just and one of the best teams in the world. Yeah, like they played. I mean, I saw a thing was like they were speaking about all of the the knockout games Gareth Southgate had, and like I don't know, England. They're actually really reliable in that they'll whenever you like a team that is on par with them or worse than them, they genuinely beat, which is pretty like it's pretty good. Like when you're coming up against like France as an example, who are arguably the best team in the world. If you beat them, that means you're arguably the best team in the world. You know, like it's t- like you can't. It's tough to beat them, so I don't yeah. think they should be too disappointed. Like, but also I think English England fans are similar to Brazil and that. Like, even though I think Brazil have a lot more reason behind what why they think that way, but like English fans are very, particularly their media are like, they're very harsh and like their expectations are incredibly high. You know. They like no, expect expect England to make the finals and win it every time there's an international tournament, and they've come pretty close. But I don't think England are on par with France yet. It's like if France had their full starting eleven, and not had like the seven or eight injuries they had to like people who probably start, I think the gap would have been bigger between them. If I'm honest. Yeah, I I tend to agree. You know, I think. I just, I just hate the, the the sight of England. You know, the the fans, <laughs> the you know, 
the, the ethos around the club, you know, and no disrespect to the players, but just the I ethos love the players, around, but I agree, you know, yeah, the, 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 it's coming home vibe or expectation. Bro, it, it, it just really pisses me off. A few things irritate me more than that, bro. A few things irritate me more than that. It's yeah, so frustrating. Yeah. I think that's the, the biggest thing that irritates me in this world. Our England fans chanting, it's coming home. And, well, simply because I'm Italian and that we, we beat them in the, the, the Euro final. That must have been good, have, bro. That must have been have, like. I can have amazing bragging feeling. rights. I can have bragging rights over England, even though we don't even, didn't even make this World Cup. I can have bragging rights over them because we've, we've beaten them in a, in a Euro semi final mm. or a Euro quarter final in 2012. We, we've beaten them in a Euro final in 2021. Um, and, you know, until they win a European Championship or a World Cup. A trophy. At least rights. a trophy, dude. Yeah, I can still have bragging rights, you know. We, we got them relegated from the Nations League. I'm not complaining, you know. Easy. Dude, it's and also I'm, like... I'm, I'm so happy to be Italian. It's, it's the most like amazing feeling. They, for, they forget so quickly, bro. Like, I don't know. Is it... I guess it's obviously, like, good making it to the quarters of the World Cup and stuff. But, like... Is being knocked out in the quarters better than uh, better than losing the Euro, like and losing a Euro final better than winning a Euro final and not making the World Cup? I don't know. That's I tough. honestly think like, you know. I think winning the Euros is better. Cup, making a Euro World Cup is the pinnacle of being a footballer. Obviously, you know if you if you make a World Cup. You know, say England make a World Cup over Italy, you would think they're the better team, but not necessarily because you know recently we beat them in a European final. Recently, we've got them. We got them grouped in the Nations League. How can you say that England, in any form, shape, or form, are better than Italy at the moment? You can't. I think Italy just in their group, in their in their World Cup qualifying group, they threw it away. Um, you know, we had we had a player like Jorginho who missed crucial penalties. And, you know, luck didn't turn our way. And I think, you know, building up to the 2026 20, World Cup, we're going to come in even stronger. I think we'll make that World Cup. We always the, have to knowing the youth, You have to. Knowing the youth, and you have you, we have to. Knowing... Like, no, three World Cups not, even not like, going... Yeah, damn, bro. I'm not even in the mentality that we have to. I know we will, because I can see the project that Mancini is building. I'm glad he didn't get sacked. I can see the young players he's bringing through, and I know the young players will be exceptional come that World Cup. I'm just Dude, thinking Italy has some very nice young players, bro. Damn. Dude, Raspadori in particular, I'm so glad he's performing so well for Italy. Um, you, know, you know, we've got great young players just coming up, you know, and already in the team. You know, we've got Tonali, we've got Chiesa, Zaniolo, Raspadori. Um, our defense, Bastoni, you know, Di Lorenzo, he's, he's a bit in his late twenties, but he'll still be, still be know, there a good player, four years. you know, in four years, Bastoni, Barea, um, Barella, also Barella is, be in you his know, prime. He'll, be like in his prime he'll be in his probably. prime. He will be in his yeah. prime. Uh, you know, left back, well, left back's a questionable one, but you know, we'll see. We've got Donnarumma in goals. It's, it's a crazy team. It's such an insane team, and I'm glad that they'll be uh, giving 
the What's youngsters. Um, Bonucci will still be there, bro. Bonucci will still be there. <laughs> well, I hope he's not there because, you know, we need Bastoni and a, a player like um, Mancini or, you know, we need leaders in, the, in that defence. Mm. I think Mancini is quite a young leader. Um, uh, there's also Italian defenders. There's also a player called Federico Gatti. He plays for Juventus. Um, he's also quite an up-and-coming youngster. Um, defense, big guy. Uh, unfortunately, our, most of our centre-backs are so old anyway. So, it's mm. like, you know, you need to start breathing. You guys are, youngsters. like, coming to the end of a generation of, like, like it's kind of like going from the old-school Italian centre-backs yeah. to, to, like, the new, the new, I guess, like, the new generation, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we're starting a new generation, a new revolution, which is, which I'm so, you know, happy about. But yeah, honestly, we've got to sum up. We've got the bragging rights of England. I'm glad England are out. <laughs> and for me, like in the World Cup so far, England they were really good. I actually thought they were going to go further than the quarterfinals, but I'm I'm glad that they're out. <laughs> That's my overall feeling. And Netherlands, on your part, how do you how do you feel about them? So I think Netherlands, like, I mean, they didn't make the last World Cup, so this improvement they've had is like. I think very good. I know that they've probably they've been getting a lot of criticism for like not going further, but realistically, when you get to the quarterfinals, like you're playing more than likely playing teams that are like the best teams in the world. And I don't think Netherlands are. I think they're one of the best teams in the world, but I don't think they're good enough to win the World Cup. If that makes sense, like I thought they fought really well against yeah. Argentina, and like they could have won yeah, that, that was game. A great game, man. Wow. Like that game could have gone either way. Um, yeah, but much like just, that, uh, much like that England France game, it could have gone either way. Yeah, ex- yeah, literally, like, you couldn't really, um, like if really either of the sides went through, like if 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 Netherlands went through, you'd understand. But like, I feel like if Netherlands made it to the final, I think, I don't know, it it people would be like, I don't know, people like would, you would be give- favoring France more than they are now. Yeah, you would give credit where credit is due, obviously, if Netherlands would be in Argentina. Um, but, you know, Netherlands, Croatia semi-final, I would have uh, actually backed a little Croatia. I think, I think Croatia have a bigger chance against yeah. Netherlands than Argentina. Yeah. yeah. Just because, like, know, Argentina, they've, they've got, they've kind of like the opposite of um, Brazil and Portugal on that, like, They've actually gotten better with every game they've played because even though they gave that two-goal two lead up against Netherlands, for the first, like, I think 60 minutes of their game, they actually played really well. Like, they well, were 2-0 they up. controlled the game. And they, like, they controlled the game really well. And then Van Gaal changes tactics and literally put, like, what I, want, I really want to see the average height of the Netherlands team for the last <laughs> 20 minutes of that game, bro, because it was, like, eight O's that were, like, on- three and up. And, and they had like, two other guys, two small guys. It was like Burgess, who isn't even that small, and like Coop Miners, who also isn't that isn't that small either. Sure. Picking up the second ball from these giants, just like mm. getting it hoofed to them, knocking it down. Like dude, Argentina, was, and like it was actually scary, crazy. dude, because Argentina couldn't really do anything about it because it was like it was actually like so overpowered. Dude, like, I was watching that, that game. Happen, I, it was like, being it was crazy. I've never seen anything like be- that. Yeah, being an Argentina supporter of this World Cup, I had my head in my hands. I was like, oh my God, what is going on? Because Van Dijk, 
and Ake or whoever the other who was the other centre back? Van Dyke and um Timber or Ake mm. were just pinging long balls and even Nopis, he was just pinging long balls to Veghorst and Luke de Jong and they would Bruh. create off that one header that they would get off the goal kick, they would create a chance. They would like knock it on in behind the defence and they would they would get a corner out of it or they would like get a shot on goal. And I was and you know, that goal, that Coop Miners free kick, oh my god. That that has to be the most clever free kick or Dude. That was that was a training ground exercise for you. Because dude, they literally they were like, Okay, we've been headering we've been going long ball the whole time. All these the Argentinians are expecting us to like hoof it in. Like they all they're thinking about is the aerial threat, dude. Like and then there was also a shooting chance. Think about it. It was it was a distance it was a fair distance away from the goal, but it was still within Coop Miner's range. And obviously Mm. we saw the free kick before. He he came very close to the shot. So the oak, yo, I don't know what was going through his head, but he was just like, this is going to work. That was just great tactical play, I think. Fuck, that was amazing. Yo, that was the biggest shock of the the, the, the game for me. And I was just like, oh my God. If Netherlands go I think through, I'm not even going to yeah. complain. I'm just going to be in shock, but I'm not even going to complain if they beat Argentina now. I think I that was, was a turning point to get another goal mentally. After that. Dude, I, th- I thought, I was like, Netherlands could easily go on to win this now. Just because their style of play now, they, Argentina had no one that could like cope height-wise. Mm. And every time yeah. they would win a defensive header, like the Dutch midfielders would get the second ball. Yeah. Every time. Facts. But I think that was a huge like. If Argentina win the World Cup, like that is that like moment or like that game was definitely the turning point because they look against Croatia, they looked like mentally like they were like, okay, we're gonna kill these guys now, like. We're not messing around anymore. Like we we we've we've messed around enough. Like this is it's time to get this trophy. Like mm-hmm. the that Netherlands game was such a mental test. I think even like like your that was that was unreal. I think that that has helped them so much. Like as a team, was wasn't that? Um, I, um, you can correct my mistake. I think that was the first or second clean sheet Argentina in that semi final. I think that was the second against clean Croatia. Sheet. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, bro, but it probably you're probably right. Like they defensively looked so vulnerable, bro. Like oh, yo, they've been, been so vulnerable. vulnerable. Like Australia, honestly, two great one. like individual defensive moments away from winning that game, and then they mm. go on like to dominate Croatia. So no, it's crazy. Crazy. I think you you got it spot on there with um if Argentina do go and and win this. That, that that Netherlands game was a big turning point. I think, um, I think honestly they will Argentina. I backed them. I, I backed so, them yeah. before the World Cup. I backed them um, with their with their their win streak that they had. You know, obviously that ending first game of the World Cup. I still backed them. Mm. You know, I, I said to my brother, Spain did this in 2010. They lost to Switzerland. Mm. And didn't Germany do it in 2014? The first or second well game. Something? Maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. But I know Spain is quite a, a telling one for me. They lost to mm, Switzerland. Definitely, that is, the one. Switzerland, that is the one. Not a good not a good team at that time. They actually got grouped. They ended up getting grouped, Switzerland, much like Saudi Arabia. And they go on and win the World Cup, Spain. And much like Argentina are doing right now. 
I think they could easily turn it around, you know, having lost their opening game. They can go and win this this final. They I think they they'll more even even though France might be more of a favorite, I think Argentina are just because of I think post that defeat they've been more mm. convincing for me. France have kind of kind of like getting getting through games, but Argentina have been getting yeah. better every game. Yeah. You see like the England game could have swung either way. England could have easily won that game. Not easily, but they could have won that game. Morocco mm. even Same as Morocco, dude. Upset. Morocco could have won that game. They've got they were you close, know, France's two goals were very, very lucky, I think. You know, they've yeah, got a, they're against like some lucky bounces. That second um, French goal was like Morocco were putting pressure on France for like 20 minutes. They just mm-hmm. kept getting the ball back high up the pitch, kept getting yeah. chances. Like Konate, like I was saying, like the defense of France had to bail them out like so many times. And was, I, did they hit the post? Did Morocco hit the post or something? I think early on oh. in the half. I think the first 10 minutes of the half, they put enormous pressure on France. And um, then I, I it was like, first 10 minutes of the half. there was also a lot of like scrappy chances where like, if the ball fell slightly differently, like the, the Moroc- a Moroccan player could have gotten a better shot or a shot off or like, I don't know, there was that one chance with Hakimi where it was passed through to him and it like kind of came off like his trailing legs, heel in front of him, but a bit yeah. too far left for him shooting. It was like... Those kind of things where if the ball fell slightly differently, like Morocco is, could have won that game. Like there was a large portion like, of that game where they, where France were being dominated. I think. I agree, bro. I think you know they they there there has to be luck in football. You know, you win games. Mm, you know, definitely mostly through through like a lucky bounce or you know, unless it's you know purely in your favor and you you win a game through you know just sheer sheer class. You know, you're gonna get those moments where you know the defenders make a mistake, like um, the Moroccan defender did in the first goal when he, mm. you know, came out and rushed Griezmann, and he got absolutely mm. turned. He got breached, and that's how their first goal came. And then, and even Mbappe, Mbappe the second basically goal was like just drew like five defenders. Mm. He basically drew like five defenders, skilled like three of them. Tried to get like a shot off, deflected straight, but dude, that defender's also switched off, bro. He was yeah. so switched off for just, that second goal. It just takes those moments of mm. you know that define a game. Obviously, in a semi-final, you either have, you have to keep your head, or you're gonna lose a game. Uh, you, and you can't let you can't that one decision, you know, will define the game. You know, you dude, think it's like if that you think you're gonna get the ball, you think goal. you're gonna intercept the ball. You think mm. you're going inter- to intercept the ball and then, you know, it doesn't quite work out. And those decisions, you know, you know, they, they make or break a, a team or a game. And that's like, also like, if that defender in, in the second goal, I can't remember who the defender is, like, if he has the same anticipation as the attacker, like that goal doesn't happen. Because he very much like, if he just like, anticipated that ball coming that way like the attacker did I can't remember his name it's like Kolo something I can't remember his name um, he like oh, that was great anticipation of the attacker for the second goal yeah Kolo like, Moani Kolo Moani yeah so he, that was like great anticipation from the attacker but if the defender was just switched on bro, like he easily could have blocked that 
And it's like, if they didn't score that second goal, Morocco could have kept pushing because that was like a dominant phase for Morocco. And it was just like, that was the nail in the coffin that like against the run of play, Mbappe pulled off a bit of magic, bit of a fluke, like ball across the face to the back post. I don't know. That was like the luck I was talking about. If the ball falls in the right pla- fell in the right place for Morocco, you know, they could have scored, but that happened for France instead. I honestly think like the the nail in the coffin for me was the first goal. I think if the defender hadn't rushed out and tried to intercept the ball uh, and yet hold his line, you know, and trusted mm-hmm. the midfielder to come and collect the ball or put pressure on Griezmann. Was she really that early in the, the game, game. The, yeah. it was really like so early the in last the game, thing. The last thing Morocco like, I, yeah, I'm not gonna. I remember messaging on the group when they went one 0 down. I was like, okay, like it's done because Morocco, no, their because whole game plan relies on keeping like keeping a clean sheet until as late as possible, and then just like over like just overloading on attack, just completely suffocating. That was like their game plan. But like as soon as they go one 0 down, like damn, it's done. Was done, I, I think, think you know. I think the occasion just might have got to them. As I say, it's just all on the day when it's World Cup. Um, mm. uh, um, maybe the pressure got to you know that defender's head uh, didn't quite make the right decision. It was also quite late in the game, dude. They were probably super tired because they also like Morocco's like it had a very strenuous game plan. Like it relied on their like all of their players had to run so much. You know, like it was very like a much like a cohesive team plan that like it didn't matter what position you were, you had to rework back. You had to make sure that on defense, everyone was back and then on attack, everyone was up. You know, like Hakimi, Ziyech, Mazraoui, Buffal, um, Amrabat, they all actually did so much running, dude. Like they ran so much. Yeah. That was probably why like after like five, six games in a row of that high intensity, they just moments like that when you switch off you know yeah I mean we can give credit where credit is due Morocco have come this far and we did not expect that yeah for sure the players and the fans and the people of Morocco are, must be buzzing like to even be in the third and fourth playoff that is crazy beyond anyone's expectation beyond their expectation beyond our expectation Dude, they could be the reason to make the next World Cup I, sorry they could be the reason South Africa make the next World Cup, just because now more African teams are in the next World Cup. Do you right. So that, that will increase the amount of African so teams. I think it was like in this, yeah. So as as you get further in the competition, more teams from that continent are allowed, like get places. So I think oh, it's gone from like what what is it? What was it this year? It, it was, was like five. Senegal, Cameroon. Was it five? Then if you make oh, like the round of, I think it's the round of sixteen or the or the quarters, you get eight. And then if you make the semis, it goes to like 10 and there's like a playoff spot. So there could potentially be 11 African teams in the next World Cup, which will be no flipping sick, dude. That's more than double this so now year. They're, now they're in the third and fourth playoff. I, I wonder how many teams could be, African teams could be in the mm. next World Cup. Dude, like, so oh, it'll like be 10? so sick to see. Dude, I think there's like guaranteed nine or 10. And then there's like a playoff for the net, for like the last one or two spots. So there potentially That's could be 11 because... African teams next World Cup. Yo, that's insane, because we could be seeing, like, all in the same World Cup, Cameroon. Egypt, Senegal. Imagine, like, Salah. Salah could get a chance to be at a World Cup. I mean, he'll be at Bali, but, like, he'll be, like, 35. But still. 
exactly. We can, we can give Kune that last World Cup before he hangs up his boots. Sorry, who? Kune. We can bring him back, bro. Like the the, Kune. the goalkeeper, the Bafana, the Bafana, Bafana goalie. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> for all time's sake, bro. Just, just give him one more, bro. Just give him one more. He's hanging on for it. I know he's waiting for it. <laughs> back him, bro. Back him. Give all the, the OG South Africans a chance, like Chabalala. Bring Tekken Odise back. Bring some people Chabalala back. Bring them all back, bro. Bring back Booth. Bring them back, bro. <laughs> Ring, ring, it's coming home, it's coming super home. sport panel, bro. 2026. It's coming <laughs> home. Madness, bro. But yo, that's that's cool, bro. Because we could see like Algeria, we could see South Africa, we could see Nigeria, Ghana, Cameroon, Senegal, Ivory Coast, Morocco, Ivory Coast, all at the same World Cup. And those dude are would be so just. Yo, it'd be cool. Yeah, because to see all those those teams like Nigeria, Ivory Coast, um, Algeria not make the World Cup. So sad. I was so sad. Dude, I think I, as well, the it's way that it's going, like, African football has kind of been pillaged by European nations for so long that, like, now more and more players are not, like, choosing to represent, like, European countries. So if you look at, like, I don't know, like, Iñaki Williams not, cho- not, not choosing to play for Spain, like, that is huge. Imagine how many players by the time the next World Cup like how much stronger all the African teams will be in that like respect, you know? I remember a while back there was even you know talking about Ghana. There was talk about you know obviously we see Tarek Lamptey playing for Ghana now English ball. Mm. There was talk about Inketia and Hudson Odoi going. Yeah, I saw that as well. Ghana. They were trying to like they were trying to like what's it called like convince them to choose to play for Ghana instead of or maybe getting passports. Uh, England, like, it's just passport yeah. vibes. Yeah. But that would be insane. The Ghanaian team for the future would be a great team, man. Eh? And they nearly made it to the round of 16. Sure. I think that would be the coolest part, I'm very excited for the next World Cup. Obviously, it's in it's in America, Mexico, and Canada. So that, that's going to be a good one. And to see more African teams is a bonus, man. It's, it's, mm, a, huge, it's a huge occasion. It's a huge thing. Uh, for football in the African continent as a whole. So that's great great to hear. Um, that's unreal to hear. Shot for providing that, Dylan. So I think as we approach the penultimate day of the World Cup, you know, the penultimate game, Croatia versus Morocco, what are your, what are your predictions for that? I have no idea, bro. Um, I feel like Morocco, like, it's actually tough because they're both like, they both of the two teams that, like we're saying, like will fight to the end. They both have like their teams' personalities are so defined by like team play, team cohesion, and like work ethic. That honestly, I, I don't know, bro. I don't know. I don't. Uh, I would like to see Morocco win because it'd be sick to see them come third. Um. So yeah, I think I'll yeah I'll say Morocco, bro. I'll say Morocco, even though Modric is probably gonna play his best because it's his last ever World Cup game. But yeah, mm. I don't know. I'd say Morocco. Okay, no, I back that. And yeah, it could go anywhere, as as you said. You know, it's much like a game like Netherlands, Argentina, uh, England, France. It's a game that could go any, go anywhere. So I think, uh, I mean, my initial thoughts were Croatia, obviously, 
and but they are so similar as you say you know in terms of their their fight their dog mentality I, I, like i wouldn't be surprised crazy. if one of them just changes like if one of them just like or both of them just go like all out of fence like don't because obviously like finishing third and fourth it is nice but it's not like they're it's not the same as like playing to get to the next round you know yeah. i feel like there I might think... be less um what's it called like rigidness or like less con- not control but like restrictions on with the way the teams play like maybe both coaches would be like you know just play just play how you want to play but keep like to the same yeah. maybe like core values but just be like Luke Modric, it's your last every World Cup game, bro. Just do your thing, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, them being two teams that have been really solid defensively, Morocco more than Croatia, I think it will be quite difficult for each team to penetrate each other. So I think mm. it's, there's not going to be a lot of goals. That's why I think it might go to extra time. So we'll see. I can't give a definitive answer, but I'm... I'm actually probably going to go Croatia, although I want Morocco to win. I think Croatia will take it, like either a late goal in extra time or penalties or something like that. Yeah, I feel like uh, we'll, we'll, only, we'll only know when the game kicks off, but we'll see how they how they approach the game and like if they. I don't know. I guess it's just the, I don't know how. Like it must be difficult to like mentally. I know. I guess it's the World Cup and it's like you you're honoring your nation and stuff, but like. Surely it's more difficult to be psyched up the same way as like a semi-final to get to the potentially the final as it is for the third or fourth playoff, you know? Mm. I think it's just more like you want to finish as high as possible, no matter mm-hmm. what the game, you know, it's a third and fourth playoff. You want to do your country proud for the last time. And I think, you know, they'll be humble in defeat or, you know, yeah. in a winning sense. It's one know? of those things, I guess, where like no you're matter, not winning the World Cup. No matter who wins or who loses. not much of a difference. Yeah, I think for like the, such country like like countries like these, like Croatia and Morocco, they've never it is a big thing for them. Hardly I guess. Been in, it's huge for them. They've yeah. hardly been in those situations before, so they they're gonna want to put it all out mm. on the table and leave it all out on the pitch. So, yeah, I'm I won't be surprised if Morocco Morocco take it, but uh, yeah, I just I just think um, goals could be an issue for Morocco. I don't know. Mm. Croatia, you never know, but yeah. against Croatia, because Croatia are penetrable, more penetrable than France or Argentina or what you know the likes. Sure, so, I'm gonna go with the Croatia either through penalties or one 0 win in extra time. Sure, so, onto the the final game, you know, Argentina versus France. I mean, I always thought that Argentina would make it. Um, to the final and win it, but I just didn't know who against. <laughs> I had my prediction of uh, Argentina Belgium final, but clearly, clearly not. <laughs> Your Belgium clearly just I got did one, not I... decide. They found out you're back in them, and they're just like, nah, like they're <laughs> like, nah, we got to screw Paolo over here, bro. Let's go, let's finish, let's get out of here as quick as we can. <laughs> let's try and finish bottom mark group. <laughs> yeah. Let's not win a, a group stage match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, Canada. Let's make one. Canada look pretty good, bro. Let's make Canada look pretty yeah. good. How about that? Yeah, dude. Let's let's do Morocco a solid. <laughs> yeah, dude. So what? So I think you know, the main topic of conversation for this episode was, you know, Argentina and France's route to the World Cup, and we can both say, you know, 
them, you know, not being unbeaten in the road to the final was very surprising. <laughs> so, I mean, especially Argentina, I, I didn't think they were going to lose their first game of the World Cup. But then their, their turnaround has been immaculate. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think actually, like, losing that game was pretty important for them. It was like kind of like, okay, guys, we may have been unbeaten for like, what, 30-something games, but we're not invincible. Yeah, 30, 32 or So it was, like a hum- it was like a humbling... It was like the two key games in this World Cup have been their loss, like, to Saudi Arabia, because it's like humbled them. And then against Netherlands, it showed that like, they proved to themselves they can fight. Like, they have the determination to go, like, go till the end. Um, but I think I originally predicted, I was, I wasn't sure between Argentina and Brazil. So I was like an Argentina or Brazil versus France final. So I was like, I guess I was pretty close, but like, if Argentina were to meet with Brazil, would have met them in the semis actually. Well, I'm saying like Argentina or Brazil. I wasn't sure who, which of those two would win. Um, which of those two would make the final. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but like, yeah, Argentina have gotten better every game. I think that it was actually quite important for them to get that clean sheet against Croatia because then it's like actually shows that defensively, even though they still look vulnerable, they definitely that was definitely the best like defensive performance of the World Cup. They looked way more like in control. They looked just I don't know. They were giving up stupid chances in the previous games, and I think France. Are looking very vulnerable. I, I think they ha- they have played like Morocco were a very tough team and England were a very tough team, but they looked very vulnerable in both those games. Like they could have lost both those games, I think. And I, also with the sickness, like I'm not sure who's going to be fit because they apparently got like flu going around their their team. So like I don't France, know. I'm yeah. sure. I think I think Upamecano will be back, but he has looked quite like sus at, at times like made rash decisions or like made like poor decisions Konate's looked really good I think he played really well against Morocco but I think he's sick now and Varano's sick and if like all three of those guys are sick like who starts at centre back Saliba but who else you know like yeah and yeah I'm very surprised that Saliba hasn't got many minutes in this World Cup um, so, yeah you know, him and Konate could be a sick a sick like peek into the future of uh, like France centre backs, if they both, uh, dude, if the, they win the World Cup with those two as their centre backs, I'd be flipping sick. But yeah. yeah, I mean, kudos to France with all the injuries that they've incurred. You know, this, yeah, no, dude, the situation with them they have being is sick, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean the the job that these players have done, the coach Deschamps have done, has done is exceptional. So you know they deserve both of these teams deserve to win, but obviously I. We we want Argentina to win. Yeah, so, no, dude. Yeah, of, I know they're the France. Left that trophy. Like oh, as sick as it is, if Mbappe is to get like two World Cups before the age of twenty-four, like that's really cool. But dude, he's got time. Like he can get as many World Cups as he wants after this one. Like I'm sure he'll have another opportunity. Like Messi, unless he's keen to come, like when he's forty years old. Like this is his chance, you know. And I yeah, think that would like. Come on, bro. Just give it to your teammate, bro. It'll make things happy at PSG. Like, come on, bro. Just yeah, dude. Just do it, man. You, Mbappe's got time. You can just yeah. relax. He doesn't even have How to about start this? the game. I think a good trade deal is 
Mbappe scores a goal, Messi gets an assist, and then Argentina wins, so Mbappe can have golden boots, and then Messi can get the World Cup. I think that's a fair trade, bro. That's fair. Fair enough. That's a fair trade. <laughs> Two, like, yeah, dude, that's fair. Um, <laughs> so you're saying Mbappe but, to get golden boot, um, uh, Messi to get you know the golden World Cup. Yeah, that'd be sick, bro. I'd Play be happy with that compromise. Yeah, I think so. I think that Argentina be, to win, even though, yeah, but Griezmann's also like Griezmann, like Giroud, Mbappe. They've actually been like the attackers have been really good. Dembele. Like I know Cratch doesn't Sus. dig him, but I don't think I don't think he's played terribly. He hasn't really offered much, but he still definitely is a threat. Like it's quite funny how one... <laughs> how Colin Mawani subbed on for Dembele and he he got a goal. Yeah, and he scored touch. so quickly. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean, like I still so think Dembele is a solid player. Like he France, I think England did what well. like they defended Mbappe well. But that was purely because, like, they were just overloading him. They were literally, like, at times triple marking him, you know? And I don't think Argentina... I don't think that'll work again. Like, I think France, they have such a well-rounded threat up top that, like... If you give Dembele space, like, he will... He still will punish you. Like, he isn't terrible. Like, he is he is solid, you know? He wouldn't start if if Deschamps didn't think he could offer something, you know? He is definitely a threat. And I feel like I honestly, I honestly do think that for me, obviously, um, Marcus Turam is more of a left-sided player. But I think Marcus Turam will actually provide more of a threat than Dembele. Yeah, I think. I, yeah, I guess he's also a, different because he's also really physical. Yeah, and I think you're gonna need yeah. that against the Argentinian back four. And the Argentinian true. back four is is very physical. Like never, never, you know. Never say die attitude. Do you think they play back four, or do you think Martinez comes back in to make it back five? Uh back four. Okay. I think they'll they'll stick with their semi final. Um, yeah, it worked. It worked really well. I don't. Yeah. I don't think they should. You as know, much as they back Martinez, they'll sacrifice you, too you much know? offensively. They can't do that. Yeah. No, they they won't. If they go one or up, they'll late um late in the game. They'll mm. they'll switch to a five. They'll put Martinez on for someone. To, to just shore up the back. I feel like also in the last 20 minutes ball. having Lissandro Martinez a dude, he's a warrior. Like, yeah. he will stop three goals himself, you know, he's that kind of a, he will literally put his body on the line. And you need that and if you're wanting to win a war, like if you're holding a lead or, you know, wanting to stop like Mbappe or something, like you need someone who literally doesn't care about themselves, they will just do anything for the team. But, I don't know if you noticed in that semi-final. So, in the quarter-final, two of their their full-backs got suspended for the semi-final. Mm, Acuna's so back. Montiel, Acuna's back, yeah. Yeah, so Montiel and Acuna got suspended for that semi-final. And I think they even, that with less defenders, I think they did even better, Argentina. For some reason. Yeah. They, they just, did, they, yeah. they, they weren't relying on, you know, um, fitness or, whatever, or just like fresh legs off the bench. They were more like, shit, we've got less numbers. We have to wake up. We have to keep a clean sheet here. We have to defend like Warriors here. And I think that made them more more of a better team, that they had less defenders and that they were a bit more vulnerable. That vulnerable. I think also in midfield, they were quite before, like, 
when they were playing five at the back, they were getting like overwhelmed in midfield, like DePaul and Fernandez, like, cause you kind of like the coach kind of a uh, Scaloni kind of had to like make a choice between like Paredes, um, DePaul and Fernandez. And like, they were kind of like, I don't know, having like all three of them together actually worked really well. Cause just in the midfield, they, like, it was just a way more, they could give Messi, like he had way less responsibility on defense and he could like operate way better without having to like be worried about coming to fetch as deep or like worried that the midfield's going to get overrun, you know, or be outnumbered. I think that helped them a lot changing to the back four. I think, you know, just look, just, just seeing, you know, what they, what Argentina are capable of, you know, they've got, you know, then they're, they're not obviously they're messy. They they've got a heavy reliance on him, but and not now more than ever actually. They they looked pretty convincing at the rest of the park. You know, DePaul's been mm. putting in sh- a shift for Na- yeah. Fernandez has been rev- a revelation. Yeah, Alexis dude, McAllister so stepped up to the plate. Yeah. Alvarez, you can see is is absolutely thriving in a role. They're playing four four two. You know, they played four four two last last match, they had more surety in the midfield because they had um, DePaul, Paredes, and Enzo Fernandez, and McAllister, not even wide players, yeah. but, you know, they were more compact um, against Croatia. I think they'll employ the same tactics there. They'll, they'll want to be more compact. Mm. Uh, they, they, they can't allow those, those half spaces or tiny spaces for Mbappe or Dembele, or whoever they to have get, to choke get into. France's midfield, bro. They have to Literally. like, they have to like the way this. I think that was such a great example of like, if you can control Kovacic, Modric, and Brozovic, who are, like that midfield, arguably in my opinion, is one of the best at the World Cup. Just like as a midfield three, if you can outperform those guys or not give them chances, you can definitely like put pressure on the French midfield because I don't think their midfield three is as good as um, Croatia's. And, like, if they win the midfield battle, I think they'll win the World Cup easily. Like, maybe not easily, but I think they'll they have a huge chance of winning the World Cup if they just stop... If they can stop Griezmann from, like, getting the ball deep and just, deter- like, dictating the ball up, through their, I don't think France... Like, then France will probably have to go to long ball. You know? Yeah, I think they have to... They, they have to play the same system as they did in Croatia because... That, yeah. that big thing about, you know, suffocating the midfield, um, really like cramping them up and compacting them so tight and squeezing them so tight that they they literally like lose any sort of um, uh, confidence to, to make a move forward. And also, you know, it always starts, the, the attack always starts somewhere, you know. It doesn't start with Mbappe. It doesn't start with, it starts with... Those players um, like Chalmany, like uh, Hernandez, like you know Varane, uh, Griezmann, it starts with those players. They're going to pick the ball up deep and they're going to provide. Once you choke them, as you said, Argentina, if they do that the, the whole game, they'll win the World Cup. And I hope they do play the, the same system they did, did as Croatia. Because also, like, as good as Giroud is in the air... It's going to be a tough fight against like Romero and Otamendi, like for the, for ninety minutes, bro. Like, if they if France have to play long ball, like, 
I don't know. I think that Greece, uh, Giroud is such a pivotal part of like Mbappe and Griezmann and Dembele getting the second ball off of him. That if they like choke the midfield and then they put Giroud in areas where he's getting a long ball, but it's like not the best because he's under pressure and he doesn't have time and he's kind of being starred for chances. I think that's kind of like what that's what they're gonna have to do because even though Mbappe can get him behind, he. Oh. He isn't like I don't know how to describe. He isn't like the focal point. Like he gets the ball a lot. He's their main attacker, but like you said, the attacks don't start with him. Like they can't just give the ball to Mbappe and expect him to do everything. It's like Mbappe is a threat, but he's a threat because the ball's coming through other ways. If that makes sense. Yeah. So as you say, you know, he's a threat nonetheless, Mbappe. So it's like you can't defocus from Mbappe and try and choke yeah. the midfield as much as possible because there are other outlets. There's Hernandez yeah. down the left-hand side. Um, and you can easily play, you know, have a pattern of play down that left left fullback side or th- that left channel. So I think tactically it's so difficult. Um, you know, you have to choke the midfield, but at the same time, you have to you, yeah, you have, have to a man be willing... You have to have a man willing to man mark Mbappe and not take your mm. eye off of him. And, yeah. So like Molina's Molina's going to have a big task on having to, and he's not. I don't think he's the quickest guy, but he's also not slow. So I think he can yeah. still keep up with Mbappe, and I think he's very defensively switched on to keep up with him. But you're going to obviously need support from there on. Like I think England's downfall was the fact that they. Put so they put too much focus on Mbappe. Like they they succeeded yeah. in keeping Mbappe out the game, but like they did what we talked about now. Like they, they focused. Focus they, on. Griezmann had too much space. Like Griezmann was just played really well. He got what is it, did he get two assists? Or he got an assist and then yeah. he was like a pass before he was like the assist before the assist for the other goal or something. For Giroud's goal, yeah. For Giroud, it's like that's the that's the thing about France that like. Even though they have a, they have so many injuries, they have like equally talented players all over. Like Hernandez is also such an offensive threat because he's so mm. quick, he's so athletic, but he also is like he's good on the ball. You know, I just think you know with Argentina, I think they have the capability to now stop those threats. Comparatively mm. to England, it's like you have De Paul, you have Paredes, you have Enzo Fernandez, mm. who are all such solid number eights. In that midfield, yeah. you're gonna have, you're gonna have, and they will good, run until their lungs burst. Bro. They will run literally twenty k's you, if they have. To. But you're gonna have such, you're gonna have such protection as a back four when you got those players mm. in the midfield. So, I think, I think they have a, a good chance of winning this World Cup, and I hope they do. I think they obviously need to get a goal, and I, they have now more, now more than ever, the best chance to get a goal because Alvarez is. Mm. Potting on fire. He is so good. You know, Messi is unbelievable. He's on another level at 35 years old, spinning a 20 year old like that in the semi final. Yeah. I was just like, bro, like this guy's the best the defender in the whole tournament, bro. Yeah. I just mean, one like of the best young him. defenders of the World Cup. Yeah. 100%. Dude, uh, it, just, like, it just shows that he's on another level. He's. Even if he doesn't win this World Cup, he's still the goat in my eyes. I uh, I agree, but bro. he'll, but in I my opinion, he like trying to not be biased because I love Messi, but like 
I think he's the GOAT already. Yeah. And but the, the World Cup will be yeah. make him undisputed. Yeah, undisputed. Then you could, the only way to like prove otherwise is then you have to start nitpicking like certain stats mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, you have to be like, oh well, for example, like I also I appreciate Ronaldo. And that's a never ending Ronaldo. debate. I just I just like Messi more, but it's like then people will be like, Well, who's got the most Champions League goals? And it's just like Standard. Okay, bro, like come on. Like I get it. But, but those those people those people who don't really, you know, have a general overview of what goes on and, you know, don't really watch games are gonna resort to saying things like that, you know, like nitpick the stats and mm. at the end of the day you can manipulate the stats in any what, way to suit you, I guess. That's what fuels the debate, the stats. But mm. and do you actually watch the games? Do you actually watch what happens on the pitch? Do you watch these players? And Messi's stats are also so good. The game? His they stats are. are so good as well. Like it, he is very close. What's it? He's like twenty-something goals away from Ronaldo. Um, in but like a hundred. Like I'm just saying in general, like in the, in their career, yeah. and yeah. like he's got like over a hundred assists more. But also Dude. like. Ronaldo, okay, he started as a winger, but he's probably he's been a striker for at least like what a decade now. Yeah, at least a decade. Like, I would say Messi I would say has the last... comparatively, like I think with the like games to goals ratio of Messi's better, and Messi has never been a striker. Yeah, he's Which been a centre like forward, but that's thing, he's never been an out-and-out number he's, nine striker. Yeah, he's always he's never been the okay. We need like our game plan he's is never to been get the focal Messi point. In, yeah, he's never been the focal point of a team. His job has never been to only score goals, if that makes sense. Like, that's his role has well, never been I mean, that. His role has always been a more like score goals and then, but also create goals. You know what I mean? Come fetch the ball, drive up the field, create space, like put players into good positions, you know? To be honest, like he has been the focal point, to correct myself. But in a different role, in a different role. Point, yeah, in that, in that focal point that, you know, you can't live without him. Yeah. He's not the focal point for goals, but he's the focal point for chance creation and potential yeah. goals. He can yeah. do everything. He can do both. He can assist. He can, you know, create a chance from nothing. Like with that, with that goal, that final goal in the semi-final, he created that from absolutely nothing. Any <laughs> other player, a throw in. wide channel it was like that, a throw in. It was cra- a throw in on the halfway, bro. It was crazy. Any. Any other player in that channel, as deep and as wide as he was, could never get to such an advanced p- position, like on the byline, like to to take on a player for that length of time, for that distance that you took on the player, and still get a get an assist and create a goal. And is she like this? Oh, I can't even describe as it. As back, Alvarez, anyone could have scored that. Bro, Messi literally put it on yeah. a like. He literally was like, "Okay, bro, here's an open goal. Just, just make sure you Honestly, put it back within it." That's literally. I'm not convinced that anyone could score that because you know, looking at the okay, stage not of anyone, Tara but like, Martinez in the small part, Okay, yeah, that's like, true. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah. The time. But I'm glad you know. Quite a big disappointment. Disappointment, I'd say. Yeah. But your the chat is also like. <laughs> There was a picture of Alvarez and Haaland standing, standing next to each other. And it's like, Alvarez is a bench player for City. He can't even get into the starting yeah. lineup. And he's playing like this. Fucking insane, man. But Dude, it's, it's unfair. Man City, they have... I mean, they've literally got enough financial takeover. Like, But like in FIFA career mode, they're literally just playing, bro. 
they're playing FIFA career mode. Literally. But, you know, all, all opinions inside, you know, we're going to you know, look at the fact, you know, what, um, you know, obviously we've been like giving our opinion on what could potentially happen. But, you know, honestly, we, we don't know what's about to come these last two games. Like we can only say so much, you know, with predictions and try and map out like how this game's going to go, but we'll never really know until it is done and it happens. So, you know, on that note, what is going to be your prediction for the final? I think we've like spoke so much now about like how, what Argentina should do or probably do to win. And like Argentina, like I think France could easily, like France could also easily just win this game. Like France mm. are also really good. They're also such a threat. Like, like, like we were saying with the Croatia Morocco as well, like both of these teams have had like similar world cups in that, like they've both been offensively like a huge threat, but they've also looked extremely vulnerable on defense. Like, in situations they've looked extremely vulnerable and that like teams that aren't as good as them have like gotten great chances and like if it was a different like if those teams got the luck like both of these teams could be out of the world cup could have been out of the world cup you know so i honestly like my heart wants to say argentina will win but to not jinx it i'm going to say france win <laughs> france win not yeah. not partic- you don't really particularly know how France will win. I feel like France. I think that it might be a thing where, like, Argentina will press. Like, I think it will be a counter attack, like a counter attack or something. And, or, like, maybe one of the. Like, they lose the ball in midfield to like Chermany, give the ball to Griezmann, Griezmann gives it and then gives like a ball in behind to Mbappe on the counts or something. I don't know. Like something like that where there's like an error, like maybe an, an error that gets capitalized on. But I honestly that don't know. I don't think there's it. much. I don't think there's much between these two teams. Like I don't, like if I was a betting man, I wouldn't know what to do. Bro. I wouldn't bet on either. Yeah. Just because sure. I, I don't That'd know. That would be crazy. Yeah, I think for me, I, putting all the philosophical stuff behind me. Like, I don't believe in that shit. Like, fucking fate and jinx and shit. But um, I think Argentina are going to win this final. I think they'll do it in extra time. I think it's going to be 1-1 after normal time, and then Argentina are going to get a goal in extra time. And Messi's going to be somewhat involved in, in the goals. So, yeah. If I you know, want to win, Messi has to have another yeah. man of the match. But I feel like it's going to have yeah. to be. I think that's kind of like a non-negotiable for Argentina if they play. They have to. Messi has to play well for them to have any chance. Yeah, yeah. but I, I've been backing Argentina the whole World Cup and before. So why wouldn't I back them to win it in the final? Like, no, I'm yeah. Going to stick with my on-field prediction. It's. <laughs> you know, I have absolute confidence that they will, because of the of. The trajectory of their World Cup and you know them coming into the mm. World Cup, the form they were on, even though they lost their first game, you know I think that that was the the you know the defeat they needed, you know yeah the, the, the humbling the humbling the, they needed the humbling they needed the check that they needed the reality check they needed. So I think France also got that, but 
more Argentina than, than France. Yeah, I, I really want Argentina to win. I just, I don't know. I just feel like I have to say France so that Messi will prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and he more often... He does, does every time, bro. Proves me wrong, wrong every time. He more, he, he more, <laughs> more often predicts everyone wrong every single time. So, yeah. But, you know, I just don't want another memory of Messi Dude. walking past the World Cup trophy again. Honestly, so, bro, I don't think... <laughs> like, I, it's like... I don't, I don't know, like, I, Messi's, like, not even, like, he isn't my favorite player or anything, like, I really like Messi and I appreciate Messi, I don't support, like, Messi's, like, Messi's teams, like, I'm by no means a Messi fanboy, but, bro, my heart will break if he loses, if, if I see him lose another final, bro, to see, if he, if I see him crying with that silver medal, dog, oh, it'll kill me, like, I think a piece of me will die, I just can't, I just can't see that happening, yeah. yo. Yeah, I know. Like, you can see it happening, but you don't want it to happen. Yeah, not at all, not at all bro. I can already see the image in my head, and I just I do not want that to become reality, bro. Not, not at yeah. all. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can, I can see the split-screen Instagram uh, post of Messi walking past the trophy in 2014. Dude, and Messi walking literally. Past the trophy like, getting his silver medal. Like, oh, bro. No. Like, they'll but be, like, what? over we'll his fun of him crying or something, and it's just, like, yeah. bro, it'll be... Being, being it the, would just being be... It feels like it would, it would be evil. It would just be evil. Being the hypocrite that We're in the evil timeline, bro. We're in the evil timeline if that happens. We're in the, we're in the villain arc. <laughs> yeah, the villain arc yeah. timeline. Messi's in his villain arc. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the, it, literally. He's about to go goblin mode on us, bro. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... You know, the hypocrite that I am, I'm going to say that I'm going to leave it up to fate, even though that I don't leave it up to. I'm not in control of this. I hope Argentina win, but, you know, the gods will decide who wins. And I hope the god wins. I hope so too, bro. Cool, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lynn, for, for joining yeah, me on this thanks podcast. thanks for having me, bro. An amazing chat with you. Obviously, I think we covered pretty much everything, all the upsets, all the, the surprises, the, um, you know, the, even we covered, you know, top scorers, you know, and I think next episode we can do a little, little episode on, you know, who's going to get the lucky break from this World Cup, you know, the players that, that might even um, get their big money transfers, you know, what happened, what will happen to these managers, um, you know, you know, just for instance, like Gareth Southgate, Southgate will you stay on, etc. And will Cody United, you know, that's we'll leave it up to the next chat. January, Josh, this January is going to be extremely interesting, bro. Yeah, even with Ronaldo on the move. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But, y'all, thank you so much for coming on. And cool. I hope you have Just a lekker nice weekend. Enjoy too, the third and fourth playoff. And enjoy the final, bro. And we'll yeah, dude. We'll enjoy, see enjoy the wedding. Thank you so much, eh? And those of you who listened, thank you so much for joining, and we'll see you next time.